This Thanksgiving season, uh, I spent some time trying to intentionally put my mind toward thanks. Uh, I realized that it's easy to get caught up in everything else. Char and I were comparing Thanksgiving experiences after watching our, like our grandkids and going, well, what did you do when you were a kid? For me, it was meeting with cousins, and uh, we would play football when we were all or eating. That was pretty much the Thanksgiving day. But I remember with our kids trying to spend a little intentionality about, okay, let's bring God into this day, even though it's got this declaration of thanks. It very rarely, you know, had much energy into that, and so. Uh, I've been just trying to to walk through that a bit and say, okay, but how do I bring this into my life? How do I make thanks a, a regular part of that? So I, I want to go there a bit this morning. Um, Colossians paints it as a whole life activity. Um, Paul makes this statement. He says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In other words, he's saying, bring the awareness of Christ into every facet of life and allow this thanksgiving of God to be associated with that. And so then we walk through the day and, and we go, okay, even in getting up in the morning, there can be a bringing of Christ into that time. I'm not sure I've found that yet, but <laughs> no. Uh, but, you know, to, to bring him through the day, um, one of the things I've made a habit over probably the last three or four years, Shar and I have the privilege of having breakfast together. And, and so in the morning when we pray over our meal, I'm, I will always use this phrase, thank you for this good day. And at times it'll give me pause because I'm already into... You know, and, it, and there's this awareness, this is a good day in the Lord. So I need to orient myself that direction and to let that become a, a part of my thinking all through the day. And then to take it into our work and take it into our activities of the day, um, that is the challenge, one of the challenges of life. Um, I want to go to a, a few other passages. Uh, in Luke chapter 17, the, the story that I want to get to is kind of set up by a parable that Jesus tells. And he says, if, if a master has servants in the field and they work all day and they come in, he's going to say, well, now sit down and have a meal. He's going, no. He says, they're going to, the master's going to say, Fix me some food, and then when you get done, you can, you can have some too. And that's so contrary to our thinking that we're just going, what? And I, I can remember even as a kid reading that and going, I don't like that story at all. You know, and, and yet, probably what grates us the most is saying, we're not the focus of attention in the story. And we get that. And there's an awareness that in regard to the kingdom of God and, and his creation, 
He's the centerpiece. And so our own selfishness just kind of grits when we, when we come up and bump up against that because it's like, no, you're not the center of attention. Never will be. God is the center of attention. But the, the value of the story or the wonder of it is is that that servant's taken care of as he does his own job and takes care of his own work. But it's that awareness that this is more about God than it is about me. And so that's the story that sets up this next one. It says, on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing between Samaria and Galilee. So he's kind of in that no man's land where um, there's borders, but it's, it's not the place where most of the religious people of the day wanted to be. It was a place to get from one spot to the next. And the fact that it was in Galilee or Samaria, both were not the centerpiece. They weren't down in Jerusalem. So he's, he's making this transition, and it says, He's entering a village, and ten men with leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance. They raised their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Years ago, the church that I grew up in had missionaries that went to Africa and worked in leper colonies. And so they would come home with these pictures. And as a kid, you know, you're just kind of going, oh, man, that's crazy. Because leprosy is a thing where apparently it affects the nerves in such a way that um, you lose feeling. And so you can damage pieces, parts, and not know it. Like you could put your hand on a hot stove and not know it until you smelled something goofy. So people would lose limbs. And, you know, that kind of thing, you know, the missionary pictures were amazing. But what happened in Old Testament times is that they put a... They saw this, and they didn't want it for themselves. And there was some association of physical contact that said, I don't want to catch that. And so in reading through the, the Old Testament, when you read the, about skin diseases and such, and they're saying, these people have to stay outside the camp, and they can't get back in until the priest says, you're clean. This had to do with stuff like leprosy and the fear that that would spread into the community. And so these lepers, they're not only in the no man's land of Galilee and Samaria, they're also outcasts of the, of the town itself. And yet they're calling out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And I assume that they are wanting a donation. Maybe healing, but for sure they were hoping that he'd give them some money or something. And he says, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went along, they were cleansed. And, and so he's telling them, you can go and be given permission to enter back into society. You know, your healing is coming. And so a very incredible thing for these ten. And to, to go to the to the priests and, and be allowed back in would have been an amazing, wonderful thing. So 
one of them that he healed turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He fell on his face to the ground at Jesus' feet and thanked him. It says he was a Samaritan. So they have been hollering out with a loud voice. When he realizes he's healed, he comes back in a loud voice and gives thanks. He bows down, and, and, he's, and it said, you know, the, the footnote is he's a Samaritan, so it's like he's not even going to be received among the Jews even after he's healed. He's not going to be embraced into their group, and yet he realizes something so powerful is taking place, it's going to change my life. And so he comes back to Jesus and gives thanks, and Jesus says, we're not ten cleansed, where are the other nine? Was no one found to turn back and give praise to God except this foreigner? So Jesus draws attention to that and says, there should be a gratitude coming out of this. But it's not happening. And I think where I identify with this kind of story is that in our selfishness, when good things happen regularly, it's just like, yeah, that's wonderful. But there's very little thought given. Well, why did that happen, and who's in charge of this? And I need to be ready to give thanks to God and say thank you for what's taken place here. And then he tells the man, he says, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you whole or well, depending on your translation. And the idea is there was more to it that this man received than just the physical healing. And in a sense, uh, Jesus is speaking to his salvation. He's speaking to the wholeness of life. He's speaking to this man receiving health inside and out. And I, I'm looking at this and going, how important to our own salvation is this attitude of gratitude or this attitude of thanks that's willing to continually go back and say, God is associated with this. God is a part of this. I'd like to read out of Romans 1. And uh, you're familiar with this passage, but it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen because they are understood through what has been made, so people are without excuse. So in speaking of God, there's this declaration made that he is the creator, and if you're willing to see it, it's everywhere around you. Now, obviously, in our day, there's been a lot of shots taken against that idea, right? But if you embrace that he is the creator, there's something in you that should be looking, oh, I see God in this. I see God in this. I see God in that. I see God here. And we can draw our attention to that and be giving thanks all along the way. It's like if you, we got some snow this morning. And if you were to consider the snowflakes, that they're unique, but there are similarities with the seven, you know, the crystalline sides. 
That's nuts. But it's wonderful. There's a, a, a consistency and symmetry and a, speaks of something of order and, and kind of draws you back to God if you'll allow it. And so it's just like looking at those things and saying, okay, I see God in this moment. I see God in this situation. I see God in this part of creation. But it says in this Romans passage, it says, for although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or give him thanks, and they became futile in their thoughts. Their senseless hearts were darkened. They claimed to be wise, and they became fools. So he says, there was a, there's a danger of not acknowledging God when you see him. There's a danger of letting your, your thought become foolishness and dark because if you fail to acknowledge the goodness of God in these moments and, and when you see this, you lose track of it and you lose sight. And suddenly you don't even know how to get back on track. So I've, I've been aware of this, and I've just kind of been pushing myself and just saying, I need to function in life with this idea of gratitude and thanks. It also, it changes our mindset if we're looking for such things. It moves away from the cynical side that says things don't work out, but rather it moves to the to the positive, it says things do work out. And God does bring good. And there's that constant challenge to just say, and I see him here. Um, just a couple notes before I finish. I had mentioned prayer in the morning over food. It's something that Jesus did on a regular basis. You know, and, and so I think it's healthy. I think it's healthy to just sit down and say, okay, God, we're going to thank you. You know, I regularly am now going, I am grateful to have food on my plate. You know, I, I have never missed a meal. <laughs> that much is obvious. But <laughs> that's not a given for everyone. And it hasn't been a given through the ages. But in my life, it's always been there. And it's, it's even the choice of what I want to eat. And, you know, like they say, you know, first it's, it's about the food, then it's about the flavor, and then it's about the presentation. And I, and I have the privilege of even enjoying presentation, right? Not even just the food I like, but wanting it to see it in a certain way. So that wonder, when Jesus, you know, he was regularly giving thanks, when, we, when we're cultivating things within our families, to, to draw our kids into that and just say, this is crucial. It isn't just, you know, a, a, a routine to get onto the meal, letting the food get cold, but this is truly important, you know, and to bring it back to that. I, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but during the Thanksgiving day, 
how much attention actually went into a thanks to God. You know, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm challenged by this thought, but it, it was limited, you know. And, and I'm going, if it's limited on the day that's dedicated to this, what's happening the rest of the time for me? And, and so just to kind of chase that down and just say, okay, let's be intentional. I loved it when Benny said, let's be intentional about memorizing some scripture. You know, that's, that's awesome for a church. You know, and the, that, that sticks with us. I'm glad he chose the NIV for that psalm. Because I learned it years ago with that, and uh, I'd rather not try to get messed up. But that psalm has stuck with me for probably 35 years, ever since I'd memorized it. You know, and, and there's other passages that, you know, if we build that cumulative effect, what a, what a wonderful thing that's going to be. So this, uh, this giving thanks that way, um, I, I just... I ran through a list of just give thanks on, in the Psalms. 30 of them um, came up in my first search. Well, that's 20%. You know, it's just a, you know, turn your attention. If you're trying to get oriented that way, put it into some things that give thanks. It's valuable. I want to read Psalm 100 as I close. Shout out praises to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with joy. Enter his presence with joyful singing. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we belong to him. We're his people and the sheep of his pasture. So this is, this is tying in with that creator idea again. Going, we're not the centerpiece. He's the center of all thought, and energy. And, and so there's a, an appropriateness for the creation to recognize the creator and give thanks to him. It's, it's what should be. And, and so we look at that and we say, okay, we'll give thanks. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give him thanks, praise his name, for the Lord is good. His loyal love endures, and his, he is faithful through all generations. So it not only declares, is he the creator, but he's invested in his creation in a way that is continually showing love. And so he says, that's something to grab onto and give thanks as well. That it not only is for that generation or the psalmist that wrote it, but it's for all generations, the knowledge that he is loving and faithful. And so we begin to declare that and recognize it, and it's appropriate then when we gather together even to give thanks unto the Lord. So I just, you know, in walking through that and saying, yeah, he's my creator, and everything I round that I see of creation in some ways gives declaration of how amazing he is. He's the one who 
shows love generation after generation after generation. He cares for our lives. So again, there's a gratitude that should be coming out and saying, the powerful one, the capable one, the one that understands, knows what to do, does it because he loves us. And again, thanks is one of those things that should be going out. And even in that, there's a danger when we step away from that acknowledgement. So, anyway, during this Thanksgiving season, moving on, let's continue to give thanks to the Lord with a heart of gratitude for Him. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to live a life of thanks. As each one goes into the community, I ask that you give them words of life to speak over others. Enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. 